Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. Coming to you from WOUB Radio, Studio B, I am Jay Warmke. And I am definitely Annie Warmke. You certainly are. And today we're going to talk about smart homes, smart homes, or Jane, turn this thing off. And I know when I mentioned that to heck? you, you're like, what the heck is that? Well, it, everything when you come to technology always comes back to the Jetsons. So <laughs> it, it, it always does. So No, it does not. <laughs> I'm no. Wait, I'm waiting for my flying car. And so, you know, it's, it's, I guess that's a hint of where I'm going with this is the idea is really cool. A lot of these ideas are really cool, but I don't know how well it's going to work in practice. Cause you remember in Jetsons where he's out walking the dog and the little conveyor the belt con- and it yeah. goes crazy. Treadmill, and, the right. treadmill. So that's what Wait, we, and then it went crazy and she's screaming at him to turn. No, he's, he's, he's screaming, screaming at her to turn it off. Yeah. 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 So, right. um, okay, it had to so, be there. So that's where we're going with it. Alrighty. All right, so so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what this concept is, the smart home, but it's bigger than the smart home. It's the smart grid. It's the smart earth. It's the smart... Wait, it's big brother. Let's well, be honest. Okay, but that's part of it. But um, if you think about it, the grid itself has not changed much since the days of Edison and Tesla. You mean Tesla. the electric grid. Yeah, and, uh-huh. and the home's electrical system really hasn't changed much since the 1960s when um, basically the big innovation there was going from fuses to circuit breakers. You know, the old fuses used to be able to stick a penny in behind (laughs) and then make it work again, (laughs) get your house on fire because who needs a fuse anyway, you know? So, so we then ended up with circuit breakers that pop every time you plug in three appliances in the kitchen. At least our kitchen. <laughs> All right. So so what got me thinking about this is I, I read an article recently. There's an experiment going on or a test case going on in California. And it is a, um, it is a project combining PG&E, which is Pacific Gas and Electric, which is the utility out there, uh, LG Chem Storage Systems. LG is a Korean for- firm. And Sunverge software and Eaton smart breakers. So what they're talking about is creating a virtual power plant. And this virtual in the home? No, no. It's it's think about how, how is a power plant? Well, traditionally the electric company would go out and they would build a coal power plant, a gas power plant, a nuclear power yeah, plant. On a river somewhere. Yeah. And they generate electricity and they'd sell it to their customers. Well, now what they're doing in the age of distributed energy, where everybody is putting solar panels on their home, in fact, in California, every new home is required to have solar panels. And actually, they just passed a regulation this year that every new home has to be battery ready. They're not saying you've got to install battery backup, but they're saying you've got to wire your home so that batteries can be integrated into your system. So homes, businesses, industry, they're all becoming their own power, power source. Yeah. So what, what role does a centralized utility have? So what they're saying is, you know what? We can be a virtual utility. We can control all of these factors, you know? Whoa. So let's let the other people pay for the actual stuff. We're just going to manage the software. We're going to create. But you've been a saying this plan. all along because this is what happened to phones. But here's the thing: I think it's very short-sighted 
to be saying all these homes have to individually be their own power plant when in fact it should be more neighborhoods and communities. Well, there, there is a thing called community solar where you can say, all right, instead of me putting a solar ray on my roof, I can put it, you know, put it down the street. We'll all own a little part of it. It's basically a utility, but it's a very small utility. Right, but it's like saying everybody doesn't have to have a lawnmower. Right, and, and a lot of homes are not suitable for solar yeah. for a lot of reasons. They have trees. They're not facing the right way. Well, you know, poverty is going to be an issue if you're going to invest in the infrastructure one way or another. But um, we're, we're going to, I mean, it's really getting past that because the cost of solar is so much cheaper than just paying No, but some lords don't care about that. All right. Well, this is what I'm just saying social it, commentary. Yeah. Here. Well, but that's where my brain goes when you start saying all these things. And I know you're the geek and you love all that. But I just want to point out it's not going to it's not all homes and it's not happening for everybody. I know. Well, this is an experiment right now. This oh, is okay. a test case. All right. But I'll this is that. where we're going. This is where we're going. For every home to Not have their necessarily own power every plant. home. No, no, no. These are virtual power plants. So what, what the utility is saying is instead of me having to build another power plant, I'm going to take the stuff that exists out there and I want to control it. So if you've got an electric vehicle hooked up, if you've got solar panels hooked up, I want to be able to manage the grid. It's almost like they've got another power plant they can turn on and off or draw power from electric vehicles when it's needed, or store power in electric vehicles when they have excess. It becomes centralized managed, but distributed, distributively owned. And, and it's very clever for them because, of course, they get to charge people for stuff they didn't pay for. Which I don't want is, them hooking up to my electric vehicle. That sucker costs thirty some thousand dollars. Okay, well there are issues. Let's just uh, <laughs> don't no. don't bother with the issues. <laughs> now, I'm, not, people, I'm not hooking up. I, my I'm not electric getting vehicle. to the issues yet. All right, <laughs> okay. give me time. <laughs> right. Let me paint the picture before you throw it in the trash. <laughs> I got the right? picture. That's the problem. <laughs> okay, so so what is the difference between a virtual power plant and a microgrid? You may ask if you're well informed in the world of geekdom. <laughs> I was going to ask, but I was caught up in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. other so part. Basically, a virtual power plant is integrated in within the grid system. A microgrid could be independent, isolated. Let's say you got a college campus somewhere uh, and it has its own power supply, its own wiring, its own everything. It doesn't necessarily have to be connected to the broader grid. But is a that virtual power solar plant. then? No, no, no. That's a whole different thing. Okay. Microgrids are are smaller units. Think of them like local area networks, and they're typically connected to the broader grid, which could be like the internet. Uh -huh. So um, you know, it's kind of where you used to have a mainframe with dummy terminals. That was the original power plant with the house, which is a dummy terminal. Now you're getting smart houses, smart grid. You know, so that's it's. PCs or it's it's functional computers hooked together sharing resources. Now you're saying, okay, now we're going to take that but connect it to the cloud, essentially connect it to the to the grid or the internet. So we can use that computer analogy to really confuse people. I was and just going to say, you know, I know I know a fair amount about solar and photovoltaics and even wind. And I want to say that whatever you're saying, like you're using a lot of terms you used to use in your other life, like local area network. People don't know what that is. What does that all mean? Right. Okay. These are magic black boxes that all get hooked together and create, um, 
I don't know, light. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, anyway. That. So, so one of the issues that I wanted to get to eventually is that in the past, typically power plants, um, power companies only controlled supply, but they controlled all of the supply. They can't really control the of load. the electricity. Yeah, 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 yeah. They can't control the load demands. You turn on the lights when you turn them on. You your Use refrigerator runs, yeah, whatever. whatever. So they have to have power available to you um, when you want it. And that's that's been quite a challenge. And they've done pretty well at that historically. But now they don't control all of the production because you're hooking together with solar arrays and solar arrays and wind turbines. Wind turbines. Like so the wind mm -hmm. doesn't always blow. The sun doesn't always shine. Plus now the customer owns it. They don't always have to connect to the to the utility. They can say, I don't want it. I'm going to store it in my battery. I'm not sending it to you. So the utility has a lot of factors going on here that they don't control. Plus, if I generate too much, then they have to deal with that. I just yeah, shove it they onto have too the much. grid and they already have what they need, there's a problem. Yeah, there were some cases in Texas where they actually received more power than the grid needed. And because they couldn't just turn off the power plant, they had to actually pay other utilities to take some of their power <laughs> I'm away. I'm sorry for laughing. Because it's got to go somewhere. I know. It's, it's stuck in there. It's going to blow up something. Right. So, so yeah. now we've got this issue of, well, how did they deal with it before when there was excessive demand? Uh, typically, blackouts, right? They just turn some people off because we right. cannot or service brownouts. them. brownouts. Brownouts, yeah. That's basically turning the voltage down just a little bit. So that's if it's a near thing. The, the grid operates within plus or minus 5% on voltage. So they can dim it down a little bit, but that's hard on equipment. It's hard on motors. It's hard on everything. So you've got brownouts um, or they just crash. You know, the whole thing goes down. That's, yeah, that's that always a bad thing. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people. So then they began to get into what they refer to as demand response. And demand response is really at the rudimentary. Most people even remember this. They started contacting and say, you know, if we could put this little switch on your hot water heater, right. we'll give you $5 off your monthly they bill. Still, they still do that. Some, but it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a floppy disk drive. I mean, it's a real cumbersome approach. But, but that was the beginning of it. So they say, okay, if we get a lot of high demand, we want to be able to turn off everybody's hot water heater because that's a big draw. And, and now we'll respond that way instead of shutting down your whole house. So that was, that was a way of them trying to match low demand with supply. So that was kind of the first step there, but very cumbersome, you know, not very effective. But if you skip ahead to the smart grid, it's just a modern version of that that it hooks to every bloody thing in your house. Well, and that's kind of where they're going with it. We've heard of the smart grid and a lot of people don't really, they have the term, but they don't know what that means. But part, partly it means we want to be able to control some of your appliances, yeah, not typically all. How much energy all. you use. Yeah, well, how much electricity. So, so typically they're going to say we want to be able to turn on and off your hot water heater. Uh, we want to be able to turn on and off if you've got a swimming pool heater, if you've got a car charger or uh, your furnace, turn up or down your thermostat so that you're not using it. And these become the high draw <laughs> appliances. Well, these are no longer just an on-off switch. Yeah. These, are, these are electronic devices. Very sophisticated. And they're coming into your home 
and controlling how you're using the power. Sounds so inviting. Well, and, and it sounds, I mean, on the surface, it sounds fine, right? No, it does not. Okay, not to you, but to, to most normal awful. human beings. I will it never do fine. it, never. I, I know, that's why you live I, out in a house made of trash. But <laughs> that's right. Anyway, um, but, but it, it raises a lot of issues. It has raised issues. It will continue to raise issues. Um, up until recently, a thing called the demarcation point, and the demarcation point is basically where one entity's responsibility ends, the other begins. Well, usually they say, okay, homeowner, you're responsible for everything on your side of the electric meter. And we're responsible for everything on our side of the electric meter. But if they're coming into your house and messing with your appliances, they've gone over that demarcation right. point. And if they come in and let's say that they do something that, that completely destroys your hot your water car. heater. Or your car. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that could be a bigger issue. Who's who's at fault? Who's liable? Yeah. They probably made you sign some sort of thing oh, which yeah. you have no choice about. Yeah. Because if you want electricity, you've got to hold us, you know, harmless. But I don't know if that's Maybe, legally enforceable. Most people wouldn't even remember that if you lived anywhere for more than a short period of time. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. And so, you know, and who knows if it's enforceable because you don't have a lot of choices with who's your utility. So anyway, so that's one issue. Now, what about this is a communication system that they're creating between you and appliance. So um, I want to raise some of those issues. But before I do, I want to let people know that you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. Reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God, although I'm worried about it right now. All right. So, But wait, don't go any further. I okay. have a question. Okay. I still don't know what you mean by virtual. Because virtual in my mind means it doesn't really exist, but it pretends to exist. Right. So I don't know what that means. Okay, you're going back to the utility, the virtual utility? Well, yeah, I don't get what that means. Well, they didn't build a power plant. It it exists clearly but how there, do they generate energy well there are a lot of different bits to it if i've got a solar array on my house it's part of the generating capacity if there are 50 homes that's part of the generating if there's a wind turbine over here okay so it just is what you said it belongs to everybody every else and they are aggregating it into one unit that they control they control how it's, it's central control oh. of distributed assets. All right, I get it, which they still have, but without a power plant. Yeah, yeah. So okay. what they're saying is we're taking our expertise of work running the grid, and now we're going to integrate your assets into that so that we can, we can draw on the battery storage capabilities that are out there. We can draw on the solar arrays that are out there. And they got to pay you something. I mean, they, you're not yeah, going to do this just it. out of the yeah. goodness of your heart. But it's going to be a lot less than if they built it themselves. You know, this is one of the reasons I'm grateful to have an electric co-op. And there aren't many reasons I'm happy about that. But they are still in the 1960s, still <laughs> complaining about that they're being drugged into the 1970s. Right. Well, they slowly and We'll never have to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not in our lifetime. No, I so, don't think so. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these innovations are going to pass us by regardless. You well, know, because, because we're, we're rural, rural people. Rural yeah. people get the screws always. And, and that's kind of, I mean, well, you just it, said you don't want it. Oh, no, I don't want it. But a lot of people are going to demand it and scream about it. And, and, and when it works, it's going to be quite clever. 
when it doesn't work, it's going to be a nightmare. You yeah, know? well, or if something goes wrong with the system inside of your house, you can't just go out and jiggle and put a penny behind the fuse and make it work again. This is like very complicated. What well, if you get a lemon system? Well, and that's always an issue. So, I mean, like, like uh, let's say I want to turn off the lights. If I've got a light switch, it's pretty straightforward. I can just simply go and turn the light switch off. But if the lights in my house are controlled through Alexa, <laughs> yes, that's right. And I and my only way of turning them off is to say, oh, I shouldn't even say this no, because no, say, units are hey, going to be a hey, computer all, system. Turn it on. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. So and then it doesn't work, and then I can't turn off the lights or I can't turn on the heat or whatever. So those are some. It could you be hope, death. You hope that there are manual backups. But the thing I was going to mention is if the utility is coming into your home and they let some virus in, they let some other yeah. uh, issues, security issues, things like that, then who's responsible? So so it becomes basically a communication network over your internet or over your electrical. And so I, I know we've touched on some of these things before, but but the, the next thing that the utility is dealing with to try and deal with um, matching up low demand with supply is time of use pricing. So typically what they've said, again, kind of a cumbersome thing, is to say, okay, between these hours and these hours, the price is gonna be this. So in the morning, the price is gonna be, say, 15 cents a kilowatt hour. In the afternoon, when demand is higher, it's gonna be 25 cents. In the evening, it's going to be 20 cents. And let's That's say, already happening in some places, oh, and in certainly places. in Europe. So people say, oh, we can't run the dryer uh, in the evening because that's when the highest point is for the right. electric. And there are appliances that can look at the grid and say, okay, when is uh, it, what's the cost? And I will run when it's cheap. Now what they're looking at with these virtual power plants is real-time pricing based on minute to minute, well, second to second, have. load demand whoa, supply. Whoa. And, and that becomes quite a thing. Um, you can't just say, I'm going to set the timer for this. It's going to be shifting and moving all the time. And, and if it screws up? Well, you know. Then you have no electricity or well, we ran you into, use a whole lot of it. We ran into that in Texas this last year with the winter issues. Um, there were many people set up with a uh, variable pricing plan based on what the utility was charged for the power. And some of these utilities got into a thing where they were paying, I forget, like a thousand dollars a kilowatt hour. I know. So people were having, getting bills for $20,000. Yeah. And, and that's, that's when things go bad, you know? Well, people died too. Oh, well that, that was a separate issue. That was just poor management. <laughs> you know, what do you I'm want? I'm sorry for laughing, but this is the exact thing. You know, we act like technology is the solution for everything in life. And it just is not. Well, and sometimes it's good to have a wood burning stove, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to keep warm. All right, so so we've we've gone from that. We've gone time of use. Now we start to look at load shifting, and they use the term load shaping. This is where people are at the moment. I would say with with solar, they're saying, you know what, my my um, utility is charging me different prices at different times of day. My grid is getting inherently unreliable. So I want to have a battery backup system in my home so that when the grid goes down, I have power for a period of time for you certain mean for appliances. for the solar? 
through you solar, solar or it, it could be no solar. You could just have a battery. Oh, you, you could know, store it off the grid it. Yeah. when it was cheap to download it. Right. And then they also have load shifting. So you can say, all right, I'm going to store when it's cheap and then use it when the power is expensive. So you're just shifting because I've got this battery. And, and there are some clever ways of doing that. But that's a way now that the customer is starting to say, you know what, I want to start control, controlling how I use my loads more than just turning on and off a light switch. You know, if you think about customer control of loads, it's kind of gone through the process of saying, all right, the first one would be the light switch, right? I turn it off when I don't need it. I turn it on when I need it. Then you start getting automatic sensors. You know, if somebody's in the room, the lights go on. When somebody's not in the room, they go off because people aren't good about remembering to turn it off. Then maybe you get into hot water timers, you know, water heater timers. So, so they're saying, I want to begin to control some of the loads. You get programmable thermostats. But you know like what? That. This has some potential to be a nightmare for utility company because one of the things that studies show repeatedly is that when people become aware of how much they're using of something, particularly electricity, they change their behaviors. Right. Well, guess what? With the miracle of smartphones and apps and all of this, now what we're beginning to see, and we're just in the early stages of it, and this is kind of the beaten potatoes I wanted to get to, is circuit level control of the, all of the, the electricity. Yeah, by the customer. Okay. So they're, they're doing this in several ways. One is smart breakers. Basically, you go into a regular house, you put in a new circuit breaker, and it can now connect to your phone through your Wi-Fi, and you begin, can begin to control all of the power on that, on that circuit. So there's some problems with this, but basically, I'll give you how they market it, and then I'll give you some of the problems, is that you hook a regular breaker or this new breaker into your system. And let's say you wanted to have your stove hooked up to this breaker. You've got an electric stove. Well, if I'm afraid I forgot to turn off my stove and I'm on an airplane flying to Cancun, I can go on my phone. Of course, they're not going to let you use your phone on the plane, but um, I can turn off that breaker. I can, with my phone, mm -hmm. turn it off. So it's really just turning on and off or timer. I can say, I oh, the say, hot water heater. I can set yeah. the timer on my hot water heater or I could Or set, set my stove to preheat while I'm getting ready to yeah. pull in the driveway. Oh, Whatever. no, this That's is, this is exactly how yeah. it's going to be used. Um, so anyway, so you've got those options. The problem with this particular technology is it requires an extra breaker slot in the circuit. Yeah, most people don't have extra yeah, you don't breaker. Have any You're using at all. up everything. So if you've got one, if it's a single pole breaker, now you need two slots for a single pole breaker. If it's a double pole breaker, you need three slots. And most people don't have any room in their circuit breaker. So that can be a problem. So they so, just blow up their house. Then well, they can no, start over. you do it on one, say one critical load, whatever. Um, but what's then they've critical, got... Wait, what's a critical well, load? Well, let's say, what is the thing you want to control? Oh, Maybe so like the hot water tank or the furnace water or, or something. The, yeah, something. Yeah. Because um, you may have one extra slot, but you wouldn't be able to do it on all of them. So to avoid that, you can get a smart service panel. So essentially, you buy a panel that's pre-programmed so that every circuit in this panel is now controlled centrally. 
uh, through the app. And it's pretty amazing, actually, because it not only controls it, but it monitors it. And they were showing, I looked at a video on this, and you on your phone you can say, oh, you know what, the wall outlets in the dining room are using 4 watts right now, and the um, your refrigerator is using more power than is normal. Um, maybe you should think about getting a new refrigerator or you can set on vacation mode and you've already programmed it in. So when you go on vacation, you know, turn this off, turn that off. Don't do this. Don't, you know, um, things that this you can turn on. This is far more, you know, I, I know a lot of people in life and my dog, my livestock guardian dog is smarter than a lot of those people. I'm just trying to imagine. Right. I think we could program Norman to do this, but I'm not sure uh, most of the people I know would be capable well, let's of managing assume, it. Let's assume they do it properly. Well, once again now, remember, these are connecting in through the internet. And these are communication devices. So to give an example, uh, a programmable thermostat was used by hackers to hack into, I think it was um, Dayton Department Stores, Target, and they were able through the thermostat to get to the credit card codes of a million customers and steal the credit card numbers <laughs> because they hacked in through through a thermostat. So anything that's programmable, anything that's integrated is a security breach. Or what if some kid in Azerbaijan decides, hey, wouldn't it be fun to turn the thermostat of every home connected to this system up to 109 degrees? Yeah. You know, and and you can't shut it off. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, somebody's not home, but their dog, their cat, whatever, it can be very problematic. So before you interrupt on that and tell me that we should never do no, this, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not going to say that. I have a, I have an observation. All right. Um, I think that I, when I hear what you're saying, that there are a lot of jobs in this in trying to manage these things, to coordinate these things. Sure. Like. Like now we know that people need people to come and service their solar array, clean it, make sure it's all cool, uh, landscaping, all that stuff. So this strikes me as this is going to be a huge job for people who are of an engineering mindset, not meaning engineers because that's way overload, but people who are trained how to help you understand the system like somebody sure. who manages your website. Well, we're starting to see a lot of home security companies getting into the solar business. And I think it's for this very reason. I wouldn't doubt is it. Is they're saying, okay, we're monitoring your home against break-ins, fire, right. carbon monoxide. Well, why not electrical usage? We can monitor it yeah. to see if there are excessive loads. We can look to see if there's a flare-up. You can indicate if you're on vacation, we can turn off certain things, you know, so it becomes a service, a service project. Um, the one other technology I wanted to mention is smart outlets. And these things are pretty cool where yeah. you can well, just already, take We an, have some of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like through Wise or those kind yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But these are outlets that you can just simply install in your home. They hook into the Wi-Fi. And you can control and monitor those those outlets. So so that's an option, you know, without going and spending thirty five hundred. Like yeah, like you of, do the little speaker for yes. Google and stuff. All of them you are just integrated. talk to it. You would say, turn well, on the uh, toaster. Oh, oh my darling, turn on the phone. please turn on the toaster. Yeah, oh. yeah. Good luck with that because uh, <laughs> and and anyone else can do that as well. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, this is where we're well, going, and this is all pretty much brand new at the moment. But I I wanted to be the first to let you know this is on your horizon. So uh, be prepared. 
enjoy it because, um, you know, the future is upon us. The future. It always is. Yes. Don't you hate that? Well, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our smart grid connected in uh, <laughs> producer Adam Rich with his virtual Emmys. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Don't have a smart grid, but play nice with others. Clean up your own mess and eat your vegetables because nothing's going to replace that, although they're trying. All right, virtually. Till yeah. next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueroxstation.com. Yeah.